This is Pixel Splitters, your absolute favorite conversation movie news podcast with your hosts, Josh. Oh my God, if George Lucas had AI. <laughs> and Willis. What a misstep by Drew Barrymore. Join us each week as we break down the latest movie news, TV news, and general industry news and debate about what it all really means. The time has finally come, dear listeners. The writer's strike has ended, uh, yeah. officially at this point. We yeah. we touched on it last week when it was still uh, tentative, but everybody's back to work. Yeah. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to go through uh, the WGA's new contract, not with a fine-tooth comb or no. anything like that, no. um, but we're going to hit on the big items um, that we've talked about at length before and see where we landed I imagine that'll take up most of the episode, but we're also going to touch on SAG-AFTRA and what the WGA settlement means for them. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see kind of just like where we're standing now. Yeah. Because this was a major event and um, we're in a new kind of place now and it'll be interesting to see how we do going forward. Yeah. Change the landscape of all of Hollywood going forward, like sets a precedent. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. Um, before we do that, Josh, you want to talk us through the weekly release? Yeah. Wait, did I only put one thing on here? Oh, oh, gotcha. Yes. Oh, I was trying to tee it up all cool, but you can, you know, oh. question everything audibly. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. Just throw off the, throw <laughs> off the, yeah, everything here. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> weekly releases for theaters. We have one movie coming out. Uh, it is The Exorcist Believer, directed by one David Gordon Green, premiering on October 6th. I have no idea what to expect from this movie. I'm going to see it this Saturday. I Is this his first Exorcist movie? It is, and he's making okay. three, just like he did with Halloween. Okay. That makes... Okay. I knew I was like... I feel like I've seen this name connected with multiple ones, but okay. Yeah. And yeah, all right. I like David Gordon Green as a filmmaker. I like one and a half of his Halloween movies. We'll see on this one. Exorcist is like you don't you don't fuck with Exorcist, yeah. man. Like don't do that shit. So if you're gonna do it, do it right. So I'm I, I'm hope I'm hopeful. We'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see yeah. next week. Um, that's really it for theaters, for streaming, for shows. We have Magnum PI coming back for season five. The the re-upped Magnum PI, not the old Magnum PI, <laughs> um, on October fourth. Quantum Leap Season 2 coming back on October 4th. Lupin Part the 3. The new Quantum Leap, not yeah, the Yeah, not the old, old Quantum, Quantum Leap, because <laughs> that's what we do now. Uh, yeah. Lupin coming back on Netflix on October 5th for Part 3, which is also a re-up, I think, of Lupin, but regardless. Um, <laughs> Bargain, which is a new show coming to Paramount Plus on the 5th. Uh, Our Flag Means Death coming back, Season 2, yeah. October 5th on Max. Um I didn't really think that was going to get a season two. I it tied up a nice little bow, and I was kind of like, "That seems like it might be a one-off for." Uh, yeah, it's Taika though. He loves to he loves to yeah. franchise stuff. So that's true. Um, we also have Loki season two hitting Disney Plus on the fifth. I'm optimistic about Loki. I'm here for it. Yeah, you know, I they they it was a great first season. I, it is. Uh, my wife is going to watch this, and this will be the first Marvel movie she's watched. I think since Hawkeye. So. Wow. Yeah. I mean, she, she hasn't missed anything. She checked so. out of all of it. Yeah. You know. Good for um, her. Completely. So, 
but she's coming back in for Loki. So wow, because she watched the first season, I assume. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. She and loved the first season and loves Tom Hiddleston. So yeah, and Owen Wilson and I mean, come on, guys. Yeah. Like, what's and not key? to like? Yeah, yeah. Let's fucking go. Um, we also have desperately seeking soulmate. Colon escaping twin flames universe coming to prime on the sixth. I didn't look into this at all. No idea. Rock and roll. Here prime. we go. I don't know. Here we go. Uh, we have season nine of the circus coming back to Paramount Plus on the eighth as well. For movies, we have Fair Play hitting Netflix on the sixth. Haunted Mansion hitting Disney Plus on the fourth. Yikes. Um, that's an interesting one because I remember when Haunted Mansion came out, being like, "Yeah, why is this coming out now?" But like, if they were like, "Let's do it," so we have a disney plus hit in october i I buy that you know i guess so because disney's not really concerned with how much money they make or don't make at the box office so it is what it is (laughs) well yeah i guess that's true um we have the Kane mutiny court martial coming to paramount plus on the sixth pet cemetery bloodlines which goddamn, can we stop this coming to paramount plus on the sixth they haven't said one word about that so i know it's bad um all of those voices coming to Paramount Plus on the 4th. And The Boogeyman, the Rob Savage film coming to Hulu on the 5th. I might give this another shot. I really didn't like it that much in theaters, yeah. but ah, whatever. I've got Hulu. so you got to you got to fill that 31 days. <laughs> I know, exactly. Uh, so that's what's coming out this week. And without further ado, let's talk about the WGA and their new contract. Yeah. So 148 days without total. working, dude. Could without working, um, who can afford that? It's wild. I mean, we've been saying for five months how wild it is. Yeah. Um, but it's back and it's back quick. Yeah. You know, um, I, I think the the big thing that I am excited about in in the moment right now is that the late night shows are back. They um, are. Yeah, which is cool. You know, I. I watch a lot of the late night shows on YouTube mm-hmm. uh, the next day at work. Easy, like off the side kind of thing. Uh, I mean, not at work. Definitely not while I'm working. No, 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 no. After yes. work, between working hours. Yes. On breaks and things. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, <laughs> uh, you see John but, Oliver uh, go off? <laughs> he did. Yes, it was wonderful. And yeah. I'm really excited. Seth Myers is doing a full hour of Closer Look. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, coverage to catch up over the 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 five month period so let's um, go yeah so uh the wga has a new contract writers are back to work and rocking and rolling yes um i want to st- <laughs> i want to start here just because it's hilarious and then mm. we can go into the contract and stuff yeah. but like what a misstep by drew barrymore one week she had to wait one week she was like <laughs> she just ruined the publicity for her show ruined people's opinions of her yeah for nothing for, for something nothing. that like she just didn't you know like you could have just not been terrible about it mm-hmm. and you would have it would have like carried on fine you know what i mean her show wasn't and, going away like yeah yeah and it's interesting because there are like the couple others that followed kind of after her well like bill um, maher and stuff like yeah. bill maher well bill maher was always gonna yeah he was gonna be a douchebag do, about yeah, it but exactly like, <laughs> um but like those ones aren't gonna get hurt but i'm like i don't like drew barrymore that much anymore because like scab literally but, though <laughs> Just like impatience, it's crazy. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess impatience kind of, but also it was five months. Like, Yeah, but it, a true misunderstanding of the situation. 
Yes, yes. And an unwillingness to wait, I guess. Um, But I will say it did happen fast. Mm -hmm. They reached an agreement uh, last Sunday, I believe. Yeah, and by Um, Wednesday, it was over. Yes, so last Sunday now being two Sundays ago. Mm -hmm. And then by Wednesday, they were ratified uh, and everything was back, not to normal, but back in motion. Yeah, yes. So let's talk about it. Yeah. There were some big things that we kind of have to touch on that they uh, they were fighting for. Um, I yeah. think overall we can say it was a big win for the Writers Guild. Huge win. Yes. Um, you know, there were a lot of, I mean, it's a negotiation, so it did. they didn't get everything they want. Right. Um, nor did the studios get everything they want. Right. And, but I think uh, overall the WGA landed in a better place. Definitely. Definitely. And a lot of the sticking points were like across multiple guilds and were the ones that the the studios like the MPTP were really like pushing back against. I don't necessarily know that it was the upfront money to pay all these people. I think it was like, well, over time, all of these things, if we don't have to pay for them, it's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, Which is just, yeah, again, guys. To affect these big companies, you literally have to go to their wallets. And in a yeah. big way, I don't know how much money the studio has lost over the last 148 days, but billions of dollars, like billions yeah. of dollars, um, which is what has to happen. It just does, unfortunately. Do you think, and we can talk about this real quick and then get into the details, yeah. but yeah, yeah. do you think we will see movies come back to a previous previously scheduled release is Dune going to come back to 2023 is what I'm asking. I thought about this. I really did. And I don't think that a November release for Dune, I I just don't think they would, I don't think they would do it. I feel like they've lost. I feel like they feel like they've lost time. If they did, it would be fine. Like people would go see Dune too. Like everyone was pissed. So I think it would be okay. Whether or not they're smart enough to do that is a whole other story. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they're ah, we shot me for me. It begs the question of, do they want an Oscar push for it? But yeah, but if they wait till next year, there's going to be nothing to go against it. Well, nothing that we know of now. How many of the movies that were like our major Oscar contenders for this year were we like excited about at the beginning of the year? That's true. But for Dune being like a a potential best picture winner versus like, you know, for next year, like who knows what's going to come out? True. True. Possibly very, Um, very little. Great. Yeah. And there's something (laughs) we can talk about in a little bit where, you know, if they want like one of the big things they moved these was because of um, promotion. Promotion, and I guess to be fair, SAG after is still on strike, but um, and we can True. get into that in a minute. Yeah. But um, you know, even if that's settled in the next you know couple weeks, the actors are not just going to be available for promotion on that kind of stuff. So yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I feel like maybe a couple things will move back, a couple yeah. things will stay. Could go either way, but yeah. Let's talk some details. Where do you want to start? <sighs> Well, the two big things that we've talked about over and over on this podcast in relation to these strikes, especially for the writers, are the residuals and mm-hmm. AI. 
So I think we should start on one of those two. And I think residuals in the breakdown that they have on, go to the WGA WGA site. They have a breakdown of all of this stuff, which is really yeah. comprehensive and great. Um, let's talk about like streaming and residuals first because. Sure. Well, let me, let's, yeah. I just want to start by saying there like is a general pay increase for all members. Across the board. You know, they have increases in minimums. They have uh, increases in you know, a lot of different, uh, you know, employment length and things like that. There's, there's a lot of detail to this. So like go and check out everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you're, you're saying residual streaming, streaming residuals, um, and AI, I think are the big ones. So you want to start with residuals? Yeah. Let's start with residuals because that's one that we're still a little hazy on because residuals are, you know, syndicate. It's based on syndication reruns. Reruns don't exist anymore. Yes. What does a stream mean? All of that stuff. I will say, let's start with. We have a new acronym that I I haven't seen before. Never seen it. That's that's in play now. It's HBSVOD. Yep. High budget streaming video on demand. <laughs> Did they just make this up for this? Like, I feel like they must have just made that up. Never like, heard it. You know, and I mean, it's it's a necessary uh, denominator, but. I, I, I like got a while into it before I was like, the fuck is an HSPS VOD? Yeah. I was like streaming VOD something. I don't know. But it's basically a way of clarifying that it's like, this is not your like, you know, $100,000 movie that we just threw up on streaming or something. This is like something that's a Hollywood level production, you know? Um, yes. Yes. Not a film that they dug up the rights for and throw it on there and, 40 people watch it. Right, exactly. Well, and I guess what we can start this section off with is there is going to be some general transparency about numbers, about not subscriber numbers yeah. per se, but hours watched. But kind of, yeah. Yeah, and because a lot of it's based off of subscription or subscriber numbers for each platform and obviously a select group of the writers guild can view these things and they mm -hmm. have to, it's under NDA. Six. You can't, yeah, yeah you Six can't people. really say you can talk in like very uh, broad terms after the fact to know like it's good or bad basically. Um, yes. So let's get into the, the hashtag math podcast. Here, yes. Um, because we're going to get into it here. Yeah. So viewership based streaming residuals. Yes. So if a HBS VOD series or movie, it just rolls right off the tongue, <laughs> uh, is viewed by 20% or more of the service's domestic subscribers mm -hmm. in the first 90 days of release. So we've got three variables going on here. We've got 20%. We have the number of uh, domestic sus subscribers in mm -hmm. 90 days. Yes. So I guess we only have one variable there, but like yes. hashtag math podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if more than 20% of the domestic subscribers watch the movie, there is a bonus involved. Yes. Uh, equal to 50% of the fixed domestic foreign residual. Yes. That's a lot of different numbers. That's more math, I think, than we'll get into here. But more than if more than 20% view it, mm -hmm. to know if more than 20% have viewed it, we need to know how many have viewed it. Yes. Which is kind of wild. Yeah, this that's is, a real metric. Yeah. Yes, this is something they've been not they've been 
across the board saying, no, nah, we don't have to give you those numbers, which nope. could mean a couple things. But yeah, this is the fact that they, and if you go to the site, it breaks down the WGA offer at the beginning, what the mm-hmm. AMPTP countered with, and then what they ended off with. And with this one, they just rejected all proposals, the, the studios. They were like, no, yeah. we're not going to do that. <laughs> and now... And now, here we go. Here and we the go. interesting thing from that is, like, there is further math to be done that can break out what's actually going on here. You know, I yeah. don't know specifically how much is public domain, but, like, a lot of these costs become public. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you can sort of, with a little bit of detective work, figure out what's doing well. I mean, and subscriber count is something that's publicly known. Right. For the most part, you know. Right. Um, so it's like it's not going to be hard to figure out these numbers. And there's one thing at the bottom here that I want to point out that one of the clarifications at the very bottom is aggregated information can be shared. Yeah. So you can't say, or more to the point, the WGA can't say 50 million people watch Stranger Things. Right. But it'll be interesting to see how stretched aggregate aggregated can can become because it's like yeah the fine print <laughs> yeah like you can't say 50 million people watch stranger things but you can say in the last 90 days 120 million people have watched i mean think of all the nano genres that that are out there like have watched tv hour long drama dramatic tv shows based on sci-fi yeah. or fantasy themes yeah like, you know what I mean? Like where it's like you can get pretty specific like that. And I don't think the Writers Guild is going to be commonly just throwing out like, here's these numbers. Here's these numbers, yeah. you know, figure yeah, yeah, out yeah. what you can. Right. Um, But aggregated. Inf- I mean, everything is aggregated information at this point. You know what I mean? Like, right. You can pull so much from that. Yeah. Um, and the data nerd in me is is kind of geeking out about that potential. <laughs> Spreadsheets incoming. Yep. 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 Um. So, yeah, I mean, that's really the first kind of metric ever we've seen from these streaming companies saying this is like the real number. And like you said, it's heavily NDA'd. Like, we're not going to have access to this. Um, No, but they can, which is the important part. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So that's big. That's huge, both for the WGA and for the industry as a whole, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. The bonus structure here that we're talking about takes place after January 1st, so we won't know anything from this year or previous years, but that's fine. Yeah. Same kind of similar thing with uh, foreign residuals, which was another big qualifier. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit, a little bit of a different structure, uh, but that you know, has to do with foreign subscribers versus domestic subscribers. Um, and that's more of just like a, a percentage of the residual base that gets bonus paid out. Um, and it depends on the streamer too, because they break it up into like the high tier yeah. streamers and some of the smaller ones that like, I don't know if this would apply to shutter. Like I don't, yeah, I doubt it, but for Netflix, Disney plus, well, it's HBO, interesting. They call out specifically Paramount plus and max. Yeah. Uh, as continuing to pay a lower license fee. And I would not qualify them on the same tier. No. But I guess. But not as big as Prime, Netflix, Disney, I guess. Yeah. But Max? 
yeah, Max, I don't know, maybe because Max is still so new, but I feel like that's, you know, one of the bigger players. Yeah, um, yeah. But hey, maybe that's just what David Zaslov negotiated here. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's that's the residuals thing, which is a big win because that was one of the, I think, early pushes into this conflict of just like we don't get paid enough when something does well. Yeah, um, yeah. You know. And we don't know if something does well. I was going to say, more to the point, people have no idea if what they're putting out, like there was no metric, and now we have, they have some kind of a metric to base, yeah, exactly, paying yeah. people correctly off of, which is just a never been done before in the streaming world. <laughs> yeah. So that'll be really interesting to see mm -hmm. how that unfolds. Um, I will bet this is just the tip of the iceberg on this. I think... I mean, hell, it could turn into a thing where it's, where it's like, you know, the information starts getting aggregated and, you know, analyzed a little bit. Yeah. And then the studios go, oh, people like watch it more when they realize that it's popular. Like maybe we, I, I don't know. As I'm saying this, I'm like, I don't know if I have faith that that happens, but. Uh, if Netflix just who knows? makes up their top 10, I guarantee you people are watching that number one movie. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's so crazy. And actually, more to the point, I I am very curious to see how SAG-AFTRA works this in because mm -hmm. there could be one writer for a movie, you know? There could be a handful yeah. of writers for a couple shows. There's a lot of actors that <laughs> partake in these. Yeah. And residuals for actors, I mean, actors used to be able to build into their contracts I mean, let's talk about friends. I mean, they're still living off mm -hmm. that. Those now, actually, I don't actually know about that now because of streaming. But for sure, for a long time, they were living. I off mean, that. Friends is still like in syndication. Oh, you know? totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's still you can still tune into like I don't know where it's in syndication, but it's still on cable and stuff. So they're still getting paid on it. I'm right. sure NBC. Or um, and also like none of them would ever have to work again mm -mm. like a year mm -hmm. after. But totally. I digress. Um, but yeah, I mean, with the SAG act after, with the SAG after stuff, it's a different conversation because, yeah, like you're saying, it's not just like one set of actors, like, and not for nothing, but Hollywood doesn't have the best track record of paying uh, different actors in the same film. Yeah, the the right uh, amount equally. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what SAG After does with that. Um, yeah. I'm sure it's, I'm sure this is a good starting spot for them. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just a matter of conforming this idea and this language to their current structures. Right. Yeah. It has to. I mean, this is in writing now. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's a big thing that we, we're going to keep coming back to is like, for a lot of this, it's precedent. You know, yeah. where it's like, yeah, this is like what you've decided in the past is fine. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I also want to shout out, um, they estimated the value of each contract that was put forth. And I just want to say that the original contract the WGA put forth is was roughly valued at $429 million. The AMPTP countered with an $89 million uh, counter. And what they got was $233 million. So they yes. definitely... A year. They definitely won, yeah, per year. So they yeah. definitely won. <laughs> so let's talk about the other big part here, 
Um, yeah. Well, I, I do also want to touch on uh, there was a lot of conversation about preserving writers rooms. Yeah. Um, yeah. And talking about how many writers are required for a series or, you know, uh, how many writers are in a, a pre greenlit room yep. versus, you know, an active production room and things like that. Um, yeah. And there are specific numbers that have been defined around all of those mm-hmm. um, just to run through them real quick. If a development room of three or more is convened, uh, a minimum of three writer producers are required. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you can't have <laughs> open a writer's room and then get rid of two of the writers. Right. Um, <laughs> longer productions have minimum sizes here mm-hmm. um, and subsequent season, you know, first and subsequent seasons are based on the size of the production and things like that. Right. Um, so that was a very terrible uh, description of it. Again, <laughs> pop up over to the, the WGA, uh, WGA contract 2023.org. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, to see all the specifics because it is complex. Um, it is. But the general notion is that you can't, you, you can't just overwork and underpay people now. Like they're in the yeah. language here. It states that you actually can't do that. Like you're, you're going to have to have a minimum of this many people in order to do this amount of work. And I'm actually very curious to see what all of this does to the quality of the work that comes out because so much of the work that's done in Hollywood is by candlelight with red eyes, with people who have not slept in 20 hours and have, you know, and are going to stay there all night. Like that's imagine how good products could be if we didn't have, if we didn't do that to people. Like I just, and this is step one in that direction. So yeah, (laughs) like I'm excited. It's exciting. (laughs) So let's talk about the big one here. Um, I think this is probably the biggest of anything, um, at least in terms of impact for the industry. Yeah. Um, I don't think this is necessarily going to put more money in a writer's pocket. No. Uh, but it's certainly going to keep money from not going into a writer's pocket. Yeah. Um, yeah. If that makes sense. I think it made sense. Yeah. Yeah. So AI, mm-hmm. this is one of the big points of contention of like, you can't just have an AI write scripts. Right. AI is very popular right now, guys. <laughs> AI. It's so, so, so hot right now, but um, their big concern, what, what the WGA really wanted was like, no AI bad. Yeah. No AI in any capacity, which, for the most part, they got. Yeah. So they defined here. You want? Do you want to run through the AI thing? Yeah. Yeah, I can. I mean, a lot of it had to do with using AI as the creative force behind a show, a movie, anything yeah. like that, versus using it as a tool, which I'll get to in a second, but that is still technically allowed. But in the language here, it states that it regulates the use of artificial intelligence on MBA-covered projects, which is this new contract, um, mm-hmm. stating the AI-generated written material is not considered lir- literary material, source material, or assigned material under the MBA. AI is not a writer under the MBA, which means you can't yeah. have anything that had been, you can't plug in 50 words into chat GPT and have it spit out even a log line and have that be used as anything. Yeah. Which is like, that's what they were trying to do, guys. Like, I don't think anyone, 
do you get that this is where we yeah. were headed? They were already photo scanning people to just do AI. This is why I'm like with SAG, I can't wait to see what happens with their stuff because it's yeah. even more like they pay actors way more than they pay writers. Like that's an even bigger sticking point. So, but yeah, AI, not a writer. You can't do it, which is like, yeah. I'm surprised they let them do that. Like put this in writing. Like, Well, and, and <laughs> to the point as well, like, it's not considered a literary material or a source material. So like, yeah, a producer can't be like, give me a outline for a script about a pirate yeah. uh, that, you know, wants to learn to dance. Right. Um, sure. I don't know where that came from, but sure. You can't type that in, get an outline and then hand it to a writer and say, make, write this movie. Right. Because that's like, here's source material that has just been generated, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is like important, you know, which is like, because here's the thing is like, I feel like the producers were never like, I'm going to have AI write the whole damn thing. And I'm just going to like, whoosh, here you go. Right. But it's like, it was more, it was more of a, like, we're going to like build everything off of this and then we can pay less for rewrites and we can pay less for, you know, punch up and, and different things like that. So right. it's a big win. It's a big win. The AI is not a writer. Yes. Yes. Or source material. Um, yeah. It does have a caveat mm -hmm. that writers can elect to use AI when performing writing services. Yes. Meaning if I'm writing a script about a pirate who wants to learn to dance and I get stuck on like what scene, you know, where should the pirate What's the name of the pirate who teaches the main pirate how to dance be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrible example. Sure. Uh, but <laughs> I'm allowed to go to chat GPT and, and say, hey, um, what's the name of a pirate that, that would teach people how to dance? Right. Which I'm going to do with them. I, I really um, want. I was, I'm going to do I was hoping. I saw you go to another tab. I was like, oh, please do that. <laughs> um, now, I will say. That is only allowed if the studio that they're working for or the company that they're working under allows that and consents to having that be part of it. Because I believe like yes. all of these rules and regulations will be different for every single studio. Like this is just guidelines to be like, you can't go past this, but you can ro you can roll it back even more if you want to and say like, nah, we're not doing any AI, not even for names, not even for whatever. Um Oh my God, if George Lucas had AI, <laughs> he didn't need AI, oh. man. He was his own AI. His name, his but, naming structure. I mean, like not even for Star Wars, but for like the prequels, like how heavily he was really, yeah, that's scary. Yeah, it is. It is. I think he would have fully rejected that, to be honest. <laughs> All right. So my chat GT. <laughs> oh God. Uh, so in less than a second, really, it gave me 10 options off of the prompt. I'm off of the prompt. I'm writing a script about a pirate who wants to learn to dance. What should I name the veteran dancing pirate who teaches the main character how to dance? Um, <laughs> here are a few suggestions. Um, these are hilarious and terrible. Um, <laughs> and I would not use any of these. But uh, the number one uh, recommendation is Captain Twinkletoes. Oh, um, Sashay Silverbeard. Jiggle and Jack, Pirate Pirouette, uh, which is a little just, heavy on the... Yeah. Uh, Dance Master Blackfoot, which is just a DJ name. That's, yeah. Um, the Waltzing Willard. Okay. Yeah. 
Shufflefoot Sam. Shufflefoot Sam, I think, is the strong one on this list. That's not Um, bad. Yeah, that's not far off of Bootstrap Bill. Yeah. You know, that's really um, not which is bad. honestly probably where ChatGPT is, is pulling this from. Uh, and then to, to round out the top 10, Sea Legs, Stravos, uh, Piratical Pasadobo Pete. Wow. Uh, I don't even know what that is. And then Boogie Barnaby, which is also pretty amazing. Boogie Barnaby is classic. That's good stuff. Yeah. That's good stuff. Uh, so two of 10, you know, not not yeah, bad. There you go. Um, <laughs> but that's, hey, enough for me to like get past my writer's block in yeah. my, uh, my dancing pirate movie. Um, and most likely these writers would use it as kind of like a jumping off place to be like, oh, well, that's, yeah. you know, that's pretty good. Um, yeah. You take Shufflefoot Sam and you're like, yeah, let me expand on Sam here and, and flesh out a real character. We yeah. can make this better. Um, and another thing that's in this um, breakdown of the contract is that if someone were to do that and use Shufflefoot Sam as their main antagonist or protagonist, that company, whoever the, you know, the I guess it would be the writing company or the production company. I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. Must Sorry, is- <laughs> I'm, I'm giggling over here. I'm trying not to, but I'm giggling over here just with the idea of Shufflefoot Sam being the antagonist of this. It's like going to teach the pirate how to dance and then hate how much he t- taught the pirate how to dance and that he's better he than him. He knew too much. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We're writing our own movie right now. It's an Amadeus style kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. Um, in the style of Rio, yeah. Um, <laughs> you'll get that on Sunday, folks. Um, but yeah, the company must disclose whether or not uh, any material given to the writer has been gen- generated by AR- AI or incorporates AI-generated material. So there has to be full transparency about all of that stuff. Now, a lot of this goes with like Scout's Honor. Like you don't have like a real-time vetting process. Like it's a lot of going to be like, oh yeah, I yeah. made that up. And here you go, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But you know, bringing legal action to people like that's that's mm-hmm. no joke. And I think that it will deter a lot of of that from happening. Um, so yeah. you know, it won't a hundred percent make it go away, but it is it's a step in the right direction, and it's good that it's, it's going to be. Yes, yes, that's the big thing here is that this is in writing. I feel like it'll be interesting. I feel like. At some point in the near future, we just get a line at the end of the credits that says part of this film was generated by AI in the, yep. along the lines of like no animals were hurt in the making of this movie. Right. Yeah. No, AI. Thing, you know, <laughs> there's your disclaimer at the end. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, to go back, it is in writing now. There is language around this. AI is not a writer, even though it says under the MBA is like precedent that these unions and these studios have agreed that ai is not a writer yeah which is just kind of a you know becomes a thing of you can't like say that ai is a writer for you know any kind of like this could bleed into like uh literary publishing and things like that where it's like yeah like you can't right you know there's precedent for like you can't just punch up my book with a robot right um so it's it's good that there's language around this. I do think, and I don't know specifically, but I do think this is the first actual language we've seen around it. It's so, so. new that I can't imagine that there was anything prior to this. Um, yeah. And then that last line there, the guild reserves right to assert that exploitation of writer's material to train AI is prohibited by MBA or other law. Now, yes. the fact that they say reserve right to assert is a little odd to me, but... Basically, it just kind of this means that you can't use like scripts to train AI, which I think is pretty yeah. 
outstanding. Like, that's fucking great, man. <laughs> that's <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, that's if you don't have scripts for AI to feed off of, you they can't write a script. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, <laughs> which is really and that's awesome. yeah, that's an interesting thing. It, that, that's going to get complex and weird really fast. Yeah. Um, because anything written by a guild member uh, can't be used to train. But like yeah. by no means does the writer's guild represent every writer in the U.S. Um, a small percentage. By, by no means should they. Like, you yeah. know, there is a whole kind of world beyond that. So it's like. Yeah. It becomes, you know, there's still going to be plenty of content to train ai on um totally however we feel about that but yeah yeah (laughs) that will also uh beg the question of let's prove that uh a writer's material has been used yeah right exactly like actually prove it like (laughs) it's a good day it is it is it's a good day for the writers guild yes do we want to talk about SAG after for a little bit? We did earlier for a, a quick second, but uh, I think we should because, um, like this, it's funny because even myself knowing that this only encompasses the WG, I'm like, oh my god, the strike is over. It's like the strike is not yeah. over, like not even it's, close. The the yeah. WGA strike is over, but the actors are still very much striking and, um. And that really does mean that most things have to stop. Pre-production doesn't have to stop. Post-production doesn't have to stop. But production yeah. as it stands still can't go forward. And um, there is a big question, and this might be something we can talk about next week, but uh, once the sag after strike does officially end, whatever yeah. that may be, there is going to be a mad rush to create stuff that's been backlogged and what that means and what that looks like is going to be really, really complex, but yeah. Scheduling, like you were talking about before, like I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but yeah, like SAG after still on strike, like hundred percent, like it's Mm -hmm. not like everything's just back to normal now. Um, I really, I mean, I feel like the only thing that's unaffected now is going to be like the late night stuff yeah um and even not so much because they don't have you know or i guess day day shows too you know yeah day shows what are they called daytime television sure um (laughs) but yeah i mean any kind of series or movie or anything is still has no access to to their actors so yeah um which means still no promotion still no actual production which is yeah something and with this now is it weird that they the WGA was was wrapped up before SAG? Or or is it just like order of operations? Like they struck first, we're gonna deal with them first. Cause I feel like SAG was like if you can appease them, that at least means that things can go on. With the WGA, yeah. it's like, you know, things can't be written. So I was like, oh, interesting. They decided to go with the WGA first. I don't, you know. I don't know how these yeah. things work, but I mean, I, I do think the WGA was the bigger issue. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, it's that feels reductive, but like, yeah, you know, if you're looking at the two of them, it's like having the writers is a, it's been going on longer, but B True. it's like, you know, 
at least with the the writers settled, um, things can go on a little bit, like you're saying. Yeah. But I wonder also if it's if getting together on language for the writers is was tending to be a little bit easier than getting together on language for SAG. Yeah. Um, and that's speculation, but I mean, it's not unheard of to think like they were like, well, if we can get this language with the WGA and set that as precedent for the SAG after, like maybe we can get them closer to where we want to be. And again, I don't know what that would look like, but it's not unfeasible. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think like SAG is going to settle any day now? I mean, I think we said they came back to the table on Monday. Yeah. The second Um, they, yeah, the second they they started having conversations again. Do you think now that this language is established and like they've settled with the WGA that it's just a matter of dotting the I's and crossing the T's to a, a settlement for SAG after? Or do you think we're in for a few uh, for a little bit longer on this? It's really hard to say because actors, not all actors, in fact, most aren't paid a lot better than the writers are. But when yeah. it comes to like the top end. Mm hmm. You know, the biggest movie stars are paid 300, 400, 500 times more than the top writer ever would be. So I think that they have to look at it a little bit closer and be like, well, you know, because really what it comes down to, and I think AI is a big part of the actor's play as well, because Mm -hmm. you really don't, you know, you can, from the studio's perspective, you don't necessarily need to hire Robert Downey Jr. for $40 million if you just get his likeness because in their eyes, most people can't tell the difference and it's not about the talent, it's about you know the person on the screen, which is obviously not the truth, but it's the way that they see things the way I see it. Um, So I would love to see- Well, there's an interesting comparison even because if you consider AI as a tool, under the Writers Guild, that's a very specific thing, but that's a very different thing when it comes to SAG-AFTRA, when it comes to an actor, you know? Yeah. But I, like, could see agreeing to that if it's posted under the same kind of stance as mm-hmm. the Writers Guild, where it's like, this is a tool if the actor Consents. agrees yeah. to it. You know, like if Robert Downey Jr. just wants to go, yeah, I, I don't need to act. I just like use my likeness or whatever and just like, you know, keep me my, in as a cameo. Yeah. Yeah. Keep my, uh, you know, I'm fine with you bringing back Iron Man. I don't want to shoot anything for it. Yeah. Just like keep the checks coming. Right. If he says yes to that, oh. I don't like that. But like, okay. You know, if he's fine with it. Yeah. I suppose. Um, oh, that's really interesting. You know, because it's like that's AI as a tool for an actor, you know, or if he doesn't want to do well, Robert Downey Jr. doesn't isn't. But if Jesse Eisenberg doesn't want to do the the VO for Rio three, but is like, I get it. And like, I don't you don't have to recast me. Just you can use my voice for that. Right. It's an interesting conversation. It is. And voice actors. I'm actually looking now. I assume voice actors are part a part of sag SAG? okay okay cool Mm -hmm. because that is something i hadn't really thought too much about because really and like we've all heard the drake songs that have been made fully ai and you're just kind of like oh my god 
Yeah. Like, what the hell do we need pe- people for now? Yeah. And that is a huge, that is absolutely humongous. That's, that's insane. I didn't think about that. Um, yeah. And that's the thing is it's weird because it's huge, but it's like, can be devastating down the line. It's like if yeah. Robert, if uh, Jesse Eisenberg is fine, you know, doing that. And I don't know why I have Rio in my teeth to stay. <laughs> I watched Rio. <laughs> yeah. Um, if Jesse Eisenberg and like Anne Hathaway are fine with that, but like, yeah. you know, then you're just going down the line and you're like, well, you know, I can get Robert Downey Jr. to say he'll do a voice in that. That's, taking a role potentially away from a voice actor down the line. Yeah. So it's like, it's almost like, <laughs> like Reagan trickle down economics where it's like, <laughs> you know, doesn't work, but like, you know, it's like, Oh yeah. If all of the top people can do it and then it, you know, will come down. But like, yeah. yeah, but eventually, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see. Cause I mean, even just like a, a basic prompt like that, we're having a very different conversation than with the writers, um, you know, and the streaming stuff too, like we we yeah touched on earlier when we were talking about it. Of it's very different when you're like a B star on a on a series, you know, that's like not making the big money, but right, a big part of the show. It's a different conversation. So it is. I would think. I think we're gonna get it in a week or two. I think yeah. Because I think if the conversation's happening and there is movement from the studios, like uh-huh. that was the thing with the studios. They were just being intransigent. They were just being intransigent. I can't say that word. They were just being like a pain in the ass. Like yeah. they didn't want to move at all on this. So if they're starting to move, then like I think there's middle ground to be found. Yeah. Domino effect. Um, and if they're already willing to talk about residuals and AI, it's a step in the right direction for everybody involved. Now, there are many guilds and there are guild new guilds on the horizon that this affects yes. even more like VFX that we don't even, mm-hmm. I don't have the bandwidth well, to even go into right now. So the, the idea that Yahtzee is going to come up for renegotiation next year is insane. Startling. Yeah. 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 This is the tip of the iceberg folks. And it had to happen. It had to happen to start with the writers. I was kind of like, Oh, Interesting. Okay, but of course it just goes by when the contracts well, and are up. Let's not forget that the DGA settled a long time ago. Immediately, basically. Yeah. So, you know, not a good look, guys, when everyone else yeah. is striking. <laughs> not a good look. But also, like, does the DGA have AI language in their contract? I don't know. I don't I don't they may I don't remember anything from really the DGA contract. I don't it came think and that, went, went so fast. I don't think they did. Although, how would you have AI? I don't know. In AI directing, there's... Yeah, debatable. It is definitely debatable. Well, either way, this is a massive step in the right direction um, for the whole industry and the fact that everyone was able to... Well, able is a strong word because people did lose their homes. People did have to move out of LA. I saw that the uh, writer for The Bear was like, I'm leaving. I can't afford this this was a couple months ago i literally can't afford to do this so he's not in la anymore um so this already affected a lot of people but through it all they stuck it out and look what happened they they got essentially what they wanted which is the power of what you can do (laughs) by affecting the bottom dollar of a billion dollar company so shuffle foot sam shuffle foot sam (laughs) change your twitter handle to that (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. 
Oh, Lord. All right. There we go. Uh, welcome back, WGA. Yes. We are excited to have you. Yes. Um, write good stuff. We're excited. Yes. Yes. You want to talk about some? Uh, you want to talk about some recommendations? Yes. Let's do it. Hey. So it's October. Yeah. It's scary season. Yes. Um, I feel like we did a very similar prompt last year, but so what? Our podcast. Here we go. Uh, yeah. Favorite ho- horror movie was mm-hmm. the prompt this year. Yes. Which. Uh, you know. You're not a I horror think hard guy. For, hard for each of us in different ways. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I went down a lot. This this is a thing I feel like we could have like an actual debate about uh, of what constitutes horror. Yeah, when you were texting um, me today, I was and like, and what Ooh. constitutes a genre? Yeah, yeah, because I immediately was like, I can't think of any horror movies that I've watched. So I went to uh, Letterboxd's top 250 horror movies of all time, and I'm like. There are some on there that I don't qualify as horror movies at all. Right. Uh, shout out Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yeah. Which is like not a scary movie. Has horror tropes, but not a scary movie. Which is which is what it is. I think people are like horror equals scary. And it's really like horror equals horror themes and elements. Yeah. It doesn't because necessarily th- mean it's scary. Well, and that's the debate I did is like I started going back to like older ones and I'm like, the shining has scary moments, but like I don't think you would define it as like in the same vein as you would modern horror. You know what I mean? Totally, totally. But um, of its time and of its time. I mean terrifying movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like certainly not what I have in my head as a horror movie. Totally. Totally. You yeah. Know, fine line between horror and thriller, I think. But absolutely. And I'm glad no. you even brought it up to me, too, because I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, there's like gothic. Anything gothic is horror, even if it's not scary. You know, the Adams family yeah. is horror, you know, um, yeah. the monsters. Horror. I mean, the question. Yeah. The question is like, do, does having a vampire or having like um, a werewolf automatically qualify as like a horror film? Um, yeah. You know, it's it's tough because, and I'll bet you could have that debate with any genre. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. I guess we're just talking about subgenres, but like, absolutely, yeah. (laughs) um, But like, you could break comedy down in the same kind of way. You could, yeah, break historical fiction down, and yeah, sci-fi that's way better than historical fiction. (laughs) Um, You know, but um, but yeah. yeah. So so there's a lot of different options here. There are. yeah. I'm also sad I discovered that uh, if you look at a list on Letterboxd, you can't click and see the ones that you've seen. It just has a little count that's like, you've seen three of 250. And I'm like, yeah. which three were well, they? Which- so I can pick one of those as my recommendation. Oh, oh God. Get on it, Letterboxd. Uh, True. So do you want to you wanna go first, Josh, and uh, yeah. talk about what your favorite horror movie is? Yeah, I absolutely can. I can't believe I haven't talked about this one before. I mean, I've talked about it. I can't believe I haven't recommended it before. There are many that I have have recommended, which was a bummer. Uh, many of my mm-hmm. favorites have already been taken but I've not recommended The Blair Witch Project. Uh, ah. This is my number one movie on my top four on Letterboxd right now. Uh, this is easily one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Um, at the time when I saw this it. This made I, a Megapixels top five for you as well at some it point. It did I one think. of my most influential movies, I believe. Yes. I think that was what it was. Um, for good reason, because it opened my eyes and brain as to what a movie could be. Because mm-hmm. this movie obviously changed the game 
for cinema, not just horror, and what like what you could do with a little amount of money. And obviously, low budget is nothing new, but low budget that makes two hundred million dollars is is something that was fairly yeah. new at the time. Um, Blair Witch Project is the holy grail of found footage, uh, following three people who are attempting to make a documentary about the Blair Witch, and things go horribly wrong. And I'm not going to tell you what happens. You should just watch <laughs> it. Um, it is the perfect blend of realism and just enough fiction where you aren't sure if it's real or not the first time you see it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, now there's a stick. You know, everybody knows the Blair Witch Project, but uh, directed by Eduardo Sanchez. Um, you know, look into the marketing campaign for this movie. Look into the fake obituaries they had made for these people. Look into the production, you know, the $10,000 budget, the fact that they didn't tell the people everything that was going on so the reactions are real. Like, this is one of the the most unnerving, unsettling, and full circle kind of horror films that I can think of. And it still plays as well today as it did back in the day because it feels yeah. like you're picking up a tape and watching it and being like, oh, wow, like what's going on here? Like that type of thing never goes out of style. And um, I mean, what what more can I say about the fucking Blair Witch Project? It's a masterpiece in my eyes. And, uh, and for sure, if not my favorite, one of my all-time favorite horror films uh, of all time. Nice. So, and you can find it on Prime for free too, so send it. Nice. Yeah. That's, yeah, nice. <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah, you can't argue with the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. It's like, iconic. Yeah. Um, and I can't believe you haven't uh, recommended it before. I did a triple take. I was like, there's yeah. no way. Um, but <laughs> in two, in almost two years of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've seen the Blair Witch Project. No, I feel like you must have. My instinct is to say yes, but I'm also like, I feel like it's talked about so much that I might just have like Mm. a secondhand knowledge of the whole thing. Um, But I'm going to say yes. My instinct is yes. Okay. Okay. We'll go with yes. Like my mind doesn't jump to a a moment when I watched it, which like, I feel like with a lot of movies, I'm like, Oh yeah, I remember watching that in like my dorm room or like, but right. I I would be amazed if I haven't. We'll go with yes. Yes. We'll go with yes. Um, (laughs) So this was hard for me. Yeah. Um, I I will qualify. I don't want to say favorite on my, sure. my option here. Um, I love this movie that I'm about to recommend uh, endlessly. And it's funny because I'm like, I feel weird calling it a horror movie, but it is 100% a horror movie. Mm. It's, it's insane to claim anything otherwise. Uh, and my favorite horror movie is going to be Beetlejuice. Yeah, dude, a totally a horror um, movie. Like that movie is terrifying, um, but in like a weird, like not way. Like I don't remember it being is, afraid though. in Beetlejuice, but it's unsettling and and like just dramatic and odd and like gross and just all kinds of different like stuff that I don't know. I, I love Beetlejuice so much. Such a um, classic, yeah. I haven't watched it in so long, and I really want to now. Um, but, I mean, I think Tim Burton, like anything Tim Burton could be qualified as a uh, totally a horror movie. Um, totally. I'm sure there are uh, answers to that. But, yeah, I mean, it's Beetlejuice. It's Michael Keaton's arguably most iconic 
I think so. I mean, he's got Batman in there. Yeah, but man, Beetlejuice. But Beetlejuice is. is <laughs> Beetlejuice is Michael Keaton, and Michael Keaton is Beetlejuice, and yeah, you know there have been eight other Batmans at this point. But, True, just one um, Beetlejuice. But just one Beetlejuice, um, and I mean, like one of those kind of a culture defining thing too. You know, like yeah, there's so much of Beetlejuice in everything in pop culture that it's just it's so good. Um, yeah. And just the production value in Beetlejuice is off the chain. It's like so expressionist, yeah. but like mm-hmm. it's tactile. Dude, I need to, I'm I'm watching Beetlejuice this October. I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's like, it's the kind of stuff that's like, you know, a lot of the, the prosthetic work is claymation, which yeah. is like, like, again, like I don't find claymation scary, but it's off-putting, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it's just, I don't know. It's, it's Tim Burton, I think at the top of his game, mm-hmm. um, this was 1988, wow. you know, but like, if you said list your top five, um, Tim Burton movies, like this is in there, you know? Oh, easy. Might be number um, one. Maybe like- even not top five, but like name your, uh, the, the most notable Tim Burton movies. Yeah. Yeah. It's up there. Um, it's up there. That's a great one. That's that's fantastic. Man. Yeah. What uh, what did you think I was gonna say? You said I feel like I can guess what it what it's gonna be. I thought you were gonna pick Evil Dead too. Ah, yeah. I See, that's kind of what forward. I figured you would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, that's and I kind of did go immediately to Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two. I have recommended Evil Dead before. Yes. Yes. Um, and Evil Dead Two, I have a hard time calling a horror movie because it's, it's just like so funny. hilarious. Um. <laughs> And that was uh, Army of Darkness was also on uh, Letterboxd's top 250. And I was like, okay, it works, though. It's got that scary. The deadites are scary. Yeah, Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Check the box. It does. Um, Yeah. But yeah, Beetlejuice, man. Amazing. Awesome. Two really just solid classics for you guys to check out. Would make a good double feature. Would definitely make a good double feature. Um. God, good stuff, man. Good stuff. <laughs> nice. All right. There we go. Um, there we go. Beetlejuice 2, still coming. Yeah, filming in Vermont, Supposedly. or it was before the strike. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll see so what we'll happens. See. I, oh. yeah, I'm more excited for that than Twisters, but <laughs> I digress. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's bring it home. Josh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, people can find me on the internet on Instagram or on Letterboxd at Josh J. Fuller. And where can people find you, Willis? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Nope. You can find me on Instagram and Letterboxd at Willis Film. If you want to find the podcast, you can find us on Instagram and Letterboxd at Pixel Splitters, where you'll find all of our recommendations, including the Player Witch Project and Beetlejuice. A perfect way to start October, guys. Just about five minutes ago, I became hyper aware of how many times I've said Beetlejuice. Oh, uh, and then I went way over. So um, yeah, you're you good. Know, you're good. I'd be done. Yeah, <laughs> no, um, no problems here. Oh God. Well, we might have more guild news next week. Maybe. Yeah. We'll yeah. see. But um, we'll we'll keep covering the industry as it sort of ramps back up and, and see what we're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting times. Interesting times. So listen in, dear listeners, here on Pixel Splitters. Yes. 
Oh, God. And with that, uh, end of pod.